Now, Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello and a very good morning. I'm Ali Bally and this is Scotland's Talking. On the programme today, is it time to stop killers being let out of prison on leave? We were meeting Linda MacDonald, who was lucky to survive when she was attacked in Dundee by a man who was serving a life sentence for murder. Now, he'd been given a week of freedom to get him used to life on the outside again. Linda says should never have been allowed to happen. I also want to know what you think about cafes, takeaways and restaurants being told to cut back on portion sizes to help Scotland fight the flab. We want the, the manufacturers to be actually offering healthier versions of their own product. That's Ross Finney, the chairman of Food Standards Scotland. More to come from him. And I'll also be asking you to tell me what you think of the idea of raising the school leaving age from 16 to 18. Experts say it's so we're prepared for automation doing away with more jobs in the future. Or is it just another way of getting the unemployment figures down? It's all about the conversation, of course, and opinions. And I'd love yours. Here's the number, 033-2020-401. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Starting off today with uh, a lady who's coming to, to join me now. And um, it's a story that has been ongoing for a little while. But uh, Linda now feels it's time that some action was taken and a lot of the headlines were really saying that killers shouldn't be allowed out so we're going to tell Linda's story and tell her why she she feels that way so Linda very good morning to you good morning Ali yeah, thanks for coming in and oh, thank you uh, and uh, helped out with Matt your husband here morning Matt morning uh, morning so he's there as well um, because obviously uh, Matt is part of the story so we want to to get his views as well so you were out for a, a walk with the dog one day Yes. That's how it all started, wasn't yes. it? Uh, in Templeton Woods, which is a, a part of Dundee for our listeners elsewhere in Scotland, just out for a... a, a was this a normal thing you did? It was just my, my daily normal walk at lunchtime after working all morning, just a thing I'd done every day, um, and it was a, always an enjoyable walk. It was a beautiful, sunny, gorgeous day that day, really warm, really hot, and I was just on my way home from my walk just thinking I'll put my lunch on and do my grocery shopping later on and just normal, typical day for me mm-hmm. um, that just ended in a nightmare. Um, and it's been a nightmare that's gone on since it's, then. It's eh? gone on for me too long. Um, I just felt that after, um, I just call him the beast, cause apologies, I can't say his name, I can't say his name at all because it's it's just beyond comprehension how a human being if he can't you can't call him human being because human beings don't do that to other human beings how he turned our world upside down that day it was just a nightmare mm-hmm. it's just a nightmare that we're still struggling to get over and it's time I'm wanting answers I'm wanting answers of why he was let out and why was he not monitored why was he allowed to do what what he did to to me and my family Right, just going back a little bit, if you can, uh, uh-huh. and how do you feel about explaining actually what happened? Um, I don't want to upset my family and my friends, but um, uh, without going into too much detail, because I don't like to talk about it, because I don't, I definitely don't want to relive it. I get flashbacks of it, and so it's it's not healthy for me when I fight to survive. I fight to live, because I'm so grateful to be alive, but... That day, I could only just explain it to you like uh, you're in a nightmare. You're in a nightmare, and Linda, this is the day you die, and this is the way you die. And all you could think about is your family, your poor family that you're leaving behind. And at one point, I'll tell you, I gave it up. I just made peace with it, and there was no pain, and I made peace with it, and I just felt this was it. And then something inside me said, Linda, you just play dead dead and maybe you'll go away maybe you'll think you're dead and you'll go away and I just think that if it wasn't for the two brothers disturbing him when when he did I would not be here because he was not going away until I was dead 
and it's horrible because the because of where I was and because the way he dragged me actually by the feet on my stomach, really fast dragging me by the feet into the boots. You knew there was not going to be anybody about to save you. You you knew that, like like a bear dragging its prey. Um, and I just feel it was a miracle that the two brothers heard my screaming because they interrupted him when he was leaning over me. They actually interrupted him. And one of the brothers, Charles, shouted at him and he flew. And Charles is only about five feet three, an older gentleman that's retired. And as you know, that beast is six foot two and he's a big, big beast. And that's the coward that he is, that he run away from two pensioners. Mm. Matt, it's Linda's saying there, you know, the 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 horror, the nightmare has mm. been not just hers, but it's been the family's as well. Um, you must have just thought, you know, when this happened, I mean, did you just get a phone call saying no, no, no? Well, I got uh, initially got a phone call from my daughter, um, and she phoned me and she says, uh, "Dad, have you heard from Mum? There's there's something going up at Templeton Woods. It's all over Facebook." And I says, "No, I haven't heard from her." and I says, I've tried to phone her, but I can't, I can't get in touch with her. And I've, I've worked with my son. So my son tried to phone his mum. I tried to phone her. Couldn't, couldn't get her at all, which is unusual, because you'll always, always be able to get in touch with her. So my son said to me, said, Dad, just go home and, and see if she's OK. Never thinking. I jumped, jumped home, got in our van, went home, and when I went out the back patio door, Linda's shoes were on the deck and outside, so I knew she was... I knew she was out, mm. but I still never, I, I, I just never thought. I, I wasn't aware of the police presence or anything. So when I come out the back gate, there's the, the two people, there's, there's Charles and Peter, which I know now, and there's a lady, Joyce, who lay down with Linda. I never, at this time, I, I obviously never knew who, who they were. Um, and I'd come out the gate and they just said to me, you'll not get up there, somebody's been attacked. And I just said, I, I just hopped me there, this is a woman. She says, are you Matt? I says, yeah. I says, Matt, it's your wife, Linda. And when I run up the, the path, up up the wooded path, and I got there just at the back of the paramedics, and I seen them, uh, uh, there, was, there was one policeman on point duty, and he kind of said, uh, you could, you'll log it in there, this is a crime scene. I said, I think that's my wife that's in there. And I could see her. And he says, look, she's all right, she's talking. She, I says, and I, I, got, I, I was aware I was getting really irate. And he says, look, and he just kept on saying, look, she's talking. She's fine. She's talking. I says, what happened? He says, look, she's talking. He wouldn't give us any mm-hmm. information at all. Um, and when the paramedics actually brought Linda out of the woods, that's, that we've been married for 35 years. That's no sight you, you, you want to see. She's covered in blood. Her head was lying open. Her thumb was hanging off. Um, and she was kind of, the first thing she says to me was, I'm sorry, am I going to die? And I says, no, yeah. this is not today. But I never knew. I never knew. Of course. So that's that's when I that's that's how I found out. Right. Your attacker, Linda. Um, for again, those who don't know, maybe hearing the story for the first time, he was out on a week's release. He had been convicted of murdering uh, a woman in Dundee um, fifteen years or so previously, and this was him getting ready for being released to society, wasn't it? Um, so your view is. Uh, what? Tell us what you feel now. You don't let killers, evil killers, what he did to Anne Nicholl was absolutely disgusting. It was evil. You cannot let a, a, a so-called delinquent 15, 16-year-old that committed such atrocity with such brutality. And you, you, there's no way he could be in an institution for half of his life and then you think that you could let them out on home leave and you're going to rehabilitate the evil and the violence is in them. The madness is in them. Why? I was told by Tom Fox at a meeting that it's the only way we test these these people in society to rehabilitate them. And do you see that word test? I absolutely loathe that word test because my exact answer to Tom Fox was, so you let him out and test him on me. Surely the gamble's too high. You could not predict how that beast would act after being 15 years in an institution you cannot let evil killers like that out and so-called test them. 
He should have been tagged. He should have had a monitoring in place. There should have been a plan in place where he had to clock in at a certain time. And he certainly should have had a restriction that he was not allowed in a wooded area. I think that's common sense. He murdered poor Anne Nicholl in a wooded area while she was walking her dog. He just couldn't wait to do a carbon copy. Yeah, I think he premeditated it. I think that he got out and he was waiting for an opportunity of a female lone walker just being there when he he was out on home leave. I, how many home leaves was he out that he was up there, a predator, waiting for his opportunity? And that's what worries me. If they, if they don't change their systems or they don't tighten up their, their systems, this will happen again to someone else. And and the the problem is that I just feel nobody's listening. I've had, I've had a couple of meetings with Tom Fox. I've written to Nicola Sturgeon. I'm waiting on this critical incident report. The Scottish Prison Service have done their own internal investigation. Why are they not printing this stuff? Why am I still waiting for answers? I know this investigation's finished and I... I had hoped we would know before Christmas. As you know, we're on the countdown to Christmas, but I'm, I feel I've been patient and I want answers. What monitoring was in place? Who was monitoring them? For my opinion is mistakes were made. Who made those mistakes? Who made those mistakes and let them out and didn't supervise them, didn't monitor them? He should have never been out. But if the rule st- stipulates that, he's, that the laws are, he's got to get home leave because that's the rules... Surely to goodness you couldn't just, you can't just open the door and say, there you go, after half your life, on you go, just go and fill in your day. But you, have you thought of, um, you know, the fact that he was due, he was he was in Castle Huntley, which is an open prison, mm-hmm. so to speak, um, and he was due soon to be released. So therefore to prepare him for society, because what, what concerns me a wee bit is, is the headlines um, that have been saying this week, you know, that you want uh, killers um, not to be released on home leave. If they've been locked up for 15 to 20 years or whatever, how do they, how do they, the ones who are not going to um, commit crimes, horrendous crimes again, who are, who want to get back into society, how do we know that they are ready to do it? Are you asking for all Killers to be not all no, killers. No. What do you see? How killers. do you see it work then? If there's a fight in a nightclub with people that have been young and stupid, and they maybe get into an altercation, and and horrifically someone dies from that, then that's one specific type of somebody died. And I'm not dissing how horrible that is for for the the victim losing their life or or their families. But they, for me, I think, yes, they could be rehabilitated. They could maybe learn their lessons. But for somebody to brutally stab a, a young woman 27 times, no. They, they, for me, there's, there's, there's no change. 15 years jumping through the hoops, ticking a box, they're not going to come out and ever be rehabilitated. That's just my opinion. But particularly when, you know, your attacker had um, really a lifetime of, of being locked up, didn't he? He was told when to wash, when to shower, where to go, supervised all the time. And so you open a door and you give him home leave. No so, no supervision. He didn't have to clock in at work. He didn't He didn't have to do anything. He was lying in his bed. The morning, the, the, the day he attacked me, he lay in his bed while his mum went up and went away to work. It all come out in court, he come in at midnight the night before. Well, if he'd had a tag, they'd have known that he was breaching a curfew and they would have had him back in prison and then he wouldn't have been able to do that to me the next day. Mm-hmm. Matt, has the fact that he didn't have a tag, has that been raised by yourselves to the authorities? Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was their response? Their response was the, the, the tag and I asked, and Tom, Tom Fox is uh, he's, uh, the SPS um, front man, really. Right. Um, yeah. And I said, "Why was he says tagging doesn't really work like that? Uh, only we, he says to 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 have tagging like you're talking about that would involve GPS, which I thought was I mean you, you've got GPS in your phone, um, but uh, to me the monitoring just wasn't there at all. Didn't mean n- tagging. I don't believe anybody went to see him at all. Mm. Um, uh, but getting back to what Linda said about what you said about all killers, I think there's a the term that the, the police use, it's called the critical few. Surely it can't be that difficult to monitor the critical few. Well, we're not asking for a blanket uh, to release anybody, but for the the critical few, uh, it's it's got to be a little bit 
easier to keep an eye on these guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, the the phone number, of course, is o treble three twenty twenty. 401, if you'd like to, to comment on uh, this, I mean, do you think the justice system is too soft in uh, the critical few that uh, Matt mentioned there, or indeed uh, in prisoners in general? What's your thoughts on this? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. back in a moment. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. 26 minutes now after 10. Sunday morning, Scotland's talking. Uh, with me in the studio at the moment is Linda and Matt McDonald. Uh, Linda was lucky to survive when she was attacked in Dundee, in Dundee uh, by a man sar- serving a life sentence for murder. And um, he'd been given a week's leave and he attacked Linda. And we've been hearing the story and Linda doesn't feel that he should have been out. So let's uh, bring Andrew in. Andrew, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. Your good. thoughts on this then? Uh, very much. Your sympathies lie with uh, your guest Linda and her husband there, and goodness knows how many other people that have been the victims of these monsters. That you know, some psychologist or some uh, prison group have decided to safe to come back into society in Scotland. Alley. I look at the FBI files a lot in the telly here, and these type of criminals in America will be locked up for life after one murder with no parole. Alley. And I'm sure many on the receiving end of a, a vicious uh, stabbing, strangulation, sexual assault, kidnapping from some of these monsters, you know, they're sick and tired of listening to the, or they've had a hard life, or they can't be rehabilitated, etc., etc. The person really who is responsible for allowing that monster to allow him to come back on the streets to, to attack, sexually molest that woman should lose his job or her job. I'll be quite honest with you, Ali. If the guy is at Matheson, the Scottish, you know, justice secretary had anything in him, he might want to fall on his own sword, Ali, because they're putting the lives of the Scottish public at great danger by their, their meddling, you know, with a softly, softly approach like this and their attempts to try and rehabilitate people who, frankly, are pretty sick, in my opinion. Mm. Past rehabilitation, Andrew. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Linda. So, what what do you want then? What do you want today? You're 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 saying you want some answers. Yeah. Um, you've been talking to uh, some of the authorities, but do you think they're dragging their their feet a bit? I think the the laws are too soft. Um, I agree with Andrew. Uh, in America, a sick individual like that wouldn't get a second chance. He wouldn't get the so called rehabilitation and put him out to test. Um, I think that they need stricter laws for these evil, sick people. The, the, I just can't believe they, these evil people get a second chance. I mean, people say, oh, well, he was only 16 when he went in and did this. Well, what about what he did to Anne? Mm-hmm. Don't look at him. That poor woman lost her life and what all her family are still suffering even today and then reliving it because he got out to try and kill again. So I, I think it has to be, they have to look at their systems and they have to look at their laws because I was told by Tom Fox we have a robust risk management assessment. Robust. I just I just laughed in his face and went, robust? Robust. If it was robust, this wouldn't have happened. So they need to look at their systems and they need to look at their laws. And people like that should never get a second chance. Like Matt says, it's the few... We're not talking about all mm-hmm, colours, mm-hmm. it's the few. But why was it only after he did what he did to me and my family was it then that they diagnosed him with psychopathic traits? How did they have him for 15 years in prison and not see what, like Andrew said, why did a psychiatrist or a psychologist or all these assessments, why did they not see he was psychopathic traits? They had him half his life. It's just a tick box. And he'll have known how to work the system. Just jump through the hoops and just do your time and you'll get out. And Matt, final word from you then. How, how do you think it's affect? First of all, how does it affect you as a family? Not just the two of you, but wider. Uh, it's, a, it's a daily thing. It's, it's every day. Um, it doesn't go away. Um, Linda's up... Um, most nights, if she has a good night, it's 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 good. But nine times out of ten, she's up. Uh, flashbacks, nightmares, n- weekly. It's 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 a, it's a daily thing. But can I just also say that the the serious case investigation um, 
was it's getting carried out uh, by a body called MAPA. Now, let me get this right. MAPA stands for Multi-Agency Public Protection Arrangements. So what are they arranging? Why are they there? Mm-hmm. They're, it's, they're no fit for purpose. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's never... If they should be more... Proactive, really. Proactive, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. But they, they, this, this investigation's by them, uh, from what I understand, is completed. It's completed. It's completed. It's, Just haven't told anybody. Well, well, it's completed. They've got to... I suppose they've got to kick holes in it. Uh, uh, and then that's... They're, 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 they've obviously got to go through it and through it to... I, I believe that s- s- the mistakes have, have been made. Mistakes have been made... And they'll be wanting to cover up. Oh no, nobody made a mistake. We did our job properly. Somebody didn't do their job properly. That's my belief. Somebody didn't do the job job properly. Mistakes were made when handling his case. Definitely, and I I think it has to be out there, published, reported, so that the public feel confident that we're safe because right now, because this happened, everyone I speak to has no confidence in the systems whatsoever. Everybody says, well, why was he ever let out? Why was he ever let out? What 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 monitoring was on him? I think mistakes were made and I I feel this is these reports and this investigation, has to, they have to be honest. It has to be transparent that... No, they, they can't let killers like him out. They cannot let killers and test them on the public because the gamble's is too, too, too high. high. Too high. Too Absolutely. high. It's people's lives. Linda, Matt, thank you very much indeed for coming in and uh, telling us about this. And hopefully uh, somebody's listening in the Justice Department in Scotland and uh, will take note of what you're saying because you are a victim and, you know, victims should be listened to. Survivor. Survivor, right. <laughs> you like that, right? Survivor. Thank you both very much. Thank you, Ali. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you. Ali. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Uh, John, good morning to you. A very good morning, Ali. Good morning. Your thoughts this morning? My heart goes out for Linda. I've got three reasons. One, I live close by to where the attack took place and, and I've followed the case up, okay? To the fact that if you commit a crime and you get a second chance and you go ahead and commit the same kind of crime, don't you think it's about time that the people of the UK decide, let's bring back the death penalty? There's too much evil crime going on just now in the UK and in Scotland as well. Knife crime has increased 38% Ali something's far wrong here something needs done John thank you very much indeed this is Scotland's Talking 22 minutes away from 11 if you'd like to join us and you have a comment 0333 2020 401 in a few moments I'll be asking you what do you think about changing the school leaving age a report says that the age limit of 16 should be scrapped and increased to 18 to keep Scotland competitive in the future It would no longer be an option to leave school and do nothing. You would have to keep learning, whether that's in the classroom or in a workplace. Russell Gunson is from the think tank IPPR Scotland and he joins us now. Russell, good morning. Hiya. Is is that not what a lot of young people do now anyway? They, they, They carry on. There are some young people that carry on, of course. Um, so you, at the moment, you can leave, actually some leave at the age of 15 and come to the Christmas leavers, which seems incredibly young. But there are around about there's thousands of children, around about 5,000 children in Scotland that are currently in work without formal training or learning. And we think that potentially leads to insecure careers. So if you're going in, into low-paid, insecure work, uh, the evidence shows that you're very likely to stay in that low-pay, insecure work throughout your career. Right, so this is about extra t- training as far as you're concerned then? For us, it's so school isn't right for everyone. Mm-hmm. So increasing the school leaving age to 18 wouldn't necessarily be the right thing to do. But making sure that for those that do leave school, that either go into college, that go to university, or better still go into the workplace, making sure that they have high-quality jobs where they're being trained, where they're being invested in by their employer. Because that's good not just for now, in terms of inequalities and improving the quality of work now, 
that's also good for preparing for what we face down the line in terms of an ageing population and in terms of technological change, meaning that lots of jobs will change in Scotland. Are there not, though, school pupils who want to leave at 16, who want to go into those jobs that you've described that are probably non-skilled, and and where would we be without some of these non-skilled jobs? That's what some of them just want to do. They just want to get out and work there and earn some money. And that's, I think that's right. You learn a great deal from getting out into the workplace rather than, uh, you know, staying in the classroom. And as I say, for lots of people, school as a default won't be the right way to go. But on the other hand, these low-skilled jobs, we need them and they're, they're perfectly good for lots of people. But why not ask the employer to be investing in the employee, particularly children, um, while they're in these low-skilled and low-paid jobs so that in the future people can move on to whatever they wish to do, whether that be in the same job or in higher-skilled, higher-paid work. Yeah, I mean, you do hear those comments. I, I, I was thinking more from probably a generation ago who, you know, mums or dads would say, oh, I wish I'd stuck in at school. I would have liked to have done this. I would have liked to have been this. Um, so you're giving them that, or your suggestion is that you're giving them that extra time to train to be what they want to be. Exactly. And that, again, just to reiterate, it doesn't need to be at school. So um, you're right to say you hear people looking back saying, I wish I'd stuck in at school. I wish I'd gone to college. I wish I'd gone to university. These days, there are routes for doing that through the workplace. So you don't actually need to make a choice. You can go out into the workplace, get that job that, you know, I can imagine for many people, they've had enough of school by the time. Uh, they hit 16 but let's make sure that job doesn't cut off their future prospects let's make sure that job builds their future prospects a comment when i mentioned that we were talking about this um a couple of days ago to to some friends i was with a comment was well we don't have enough teachers at the moment how are we going to get enough teachers to keep going up until 18 yeah so i think firstly you know, we don't want to let a lack of teachers and potentially a lack of investment in schools get in the way of what we need to do for our young people, in, in, this, in this case for our children. But helpfully, demographics, so we have an ageing population, which means the number of younger people coming through the system will drop over the coming years. So this may not need additional investment, this may not need additional schools or additional teachers. What we need to do, though, is keep the current numbers of teachers, current places, static, and as fewer people come through, we can retain higher proportions of young people in school or in the workplace learning. So, again, demographics and ageing population may help us, actually, in this respect. So what has been the reaction from politicians on, on your thoughts? I think it's been positive across the spectrum, so from the Scottish Conservatives through to the SNP and uh, everyone in between. Positive responses, though, don't necessarily mean action. Um, and I think, you know, aside from Brexit, which, let's face it, has been dominating everybody's thinking. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I think today we've seen... You're um, the first so, person so, to mention it so on this programme for weeks. Oh, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Um, but, um, but aside from Brexit, there's so many really important issues that we're just not giving space to, not giving time to. And automation and our ageing population are two of the biggest, particularly in Scotland. So how do we take the opportunities of technological change that will be happening, um, thinking machines that will be becoming more and more common in the workplace? How do we take the opportunity of that? What we need to do is train people and invest in people throughout their careers, starting with when they're very young, so that we can instill that habit. Rather than people leaving the skills or the school system at the age of 15 never to return, what we need is people staying in learning whilst they work throughout their careers. Right, and where does it go from here then, this report? So for us, the, the Scottish Government are um, they're currently looking at what they're calling a future skills action plan, um, but that will just onto some of this um, in terms of how do we get the current skills needs and the future skills needs for our economy. We hope that, and then looking ahead a bit further to the Scottish Parliament elections, which I'm sure everybody will be delighted to know are only two and a half years away, another vote. Um, we uh, certainly will be hoping our ideas and those of others in response to this report will be considered across the political spectrum. 
Russell, an interesting one, and one we'll watch, obviously, as, uh, as the time goes on, because the, you're right, that next vote will come round very, very quickly. Uh, for the moment, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Russell Gonson from the think tank IPPR Scotland. What are your thoughts then? Uh, should the limit of 16 be scrapped and increased to 18? Uh, according to Russell, it's to keep Scotland competitive in the future. Your thoughts, 033-2020-401. Scotland's Talkin, the podcast. Uh, on the phone lines is Philip. Good morning, Philip. I do, Ali. I'm all right, thank you. Your point today then, what, which subject would you like to comment on? Well, it's uh, the school leaving age being raised. Um, I'd be all for it if it did any good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually one of the, the lucky people that actually beat the school leave in age when it was last raised in 1972. Right, so you left I, at 15. I left at 15, yeah, I just beat the, 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 the age being raised by three months. Right. Uh, I left in April and I got uh, raised in July. Um, as I say, if it did any good, I'd be all for it. But the problem is, one of the people you had on there... Uh, you were going on there about a shortage of teachers. Uh, there's also a problem that teachers are grumbling about is the classrooms are becoming overcrowded. Mm-hmm. So this raising the school leaving agents is going to exacerbate the problem even more. Well, as, as you say, and, and like Russell was also um, um, alluding to, that if the people were going into, um, that are staying on for these extra two years, if they were actually getting a job, then they would be moving out and they'd be getting trained there as well or on to further training. But I, I'm just not sure of the um, the whole ethos of, if, if it's right, you know, if somebody wants to leave, mm-hmm. um, surely not every job is going to be taken over by machines. We still will need... Um, various types of jobs. Somebody wants yeah. to go into college to train to be a chef, then I suppose, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it would no longer be an option under the think tank's uh, situation. It would no longer be an option to leave school and do nothing. So if you were going to train to be something, then, yeah. then you wouldn't be in a school environment. So not everybody would be staying in school. That's what I'm trying to get around to say. Not doing it very well, but I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, in my, my case... Um if I hadn't beat the school even age, I wouldn't have had an option. I would have had to stay on. It would have been compulsory. Mm-hmm. I had no say in the matter at that time. Um, it's too long ago. I can't remember what the reason was for raising the school age from 15 to 16 was anyway. I'm presuming it was for the same reason as uh, the reasons that are being proposed now. Yeah, I, I, I was the same. I, I probably beat it by a few more years than you did. Um, mm-hmm. But... I, I always remember thinking, you know, they, they talked about it. They, they were going to threatening it. It was going to be 16. I wanted to leave when I was 15. But uh, then I went to college. But it was a totally different environment. It was a totally different, you know, it was like night and day between sitting in a classroom in secondary school and going to college because the college lecturers actually, for the first time I felt, treated us like young adults, whereas up until leaving the school, you weren't at all treated in that way. What's your personal opinion on this? Would you be in favour of being raised? Not, no, not just for the sake of raising it. You know, I, I feel that, um, as somebody mentioned, and we were talking about this in the run-up to it, that is this going to then uh, affect the unemployment figures? Well, it will, because if somebody leaves school at 16 and can't get a job, they're unemployed. So, but if they're still, that means that the, they wouldn't count in, in the employment figures till they're 18. Uh, so, so, you know, if, if it's just that type of move, then I'd be against it. But I, I think it has to be looked very carefully. I would rather see the entrance to school um, raised. I, I, you know, I think uh, five years old is, is maybe a bit too young and we could learn from that, add on two years and, or a year and then uh, add it on to the other end. Right. Uh, while I'm on the phone, uh, give, give me your opinion about the, the other subject you're on about this um Portions being too big. I mean, I honestly think, you know, the eating out is expensive nowadays, so obviously you're going to want value for money. Now, if you're sold short on portions, right, and you're paying about, what, uh, £3.50, you know, for a plate meal, obviously you're going to want to have value for money. So, 
if you're, if you're going to get these short servings, right, obviously it's going to be detrimental to the business. The customers are not going to come back. Well, that that's my my thought as well on this. That are, you know there are so many things that the Scottish government are interfering with our lives in. And yeah, uh, uh, and I don't the, agree with it. I don't yeah, agree with the, it. This is the nanny state yeah, to get said yeah. again. I don't there, agree there, with there, it. Yeah, they really should be. They really should mind their own business and get on going with governing the country instead of putting fingers in pies and that sort of thing. And as for the obesity question, it's a personal problem. Well, um, you know, I can understand the need to do something if, on the obesity problem, but it's been there. For a number of years now, and I don't think interfering and telling businesses how to run their business mm. is the right way to do it. But um, we'll find out what their thoughts are, uh, because Food Standards Scotland wants the industry to take part in a new consultation on how to make eating out healthier. Now, our reporter Selena Jackson has been finding out more from the body's chairman, Ross Finney. We're dealing with the cafe sector, we're dealing with takeaway sectors, we're dealing with small restaurants, we're dealing with anything that's out of the home. So it's a slightly different audience, but the actual problem is the same. It is the obesity arriving, arising from the excess amount of uh, sugar and fat uh, and salt that we have in our diet. And that is to be found in a whole range of products that you'll find in this sector. And we need to isolate that and we need to get movement voluntarily, preferably, um, that will actually change the offering to the public in their interest. You've spoken about a few different issues there. Is this also ultimately down to portion size and calorie control? Absolutely. We want the, the manufacturers to be actually offering a healthier versions of their own product uh, because so often they, they just plough on producing the same product or changing it in some way but not giving enough attention to the sugar, fat and salt content. We want also the consumer to have more information about I mean, the food they buy. I mean, if you are in a, a superstore buying food, then there is all, all sorts of dietary information. But you go into a cafe, not so much information. You, you pick up a muffin, you actually don't know just exactly what the content of, of calorie and, and sugar and fat are. And do you think this is something people will get on board with? Well, people are. The public have already indicated, I mean, we, in, in recent surveys, I mean, we have, we have found that some 88%, 68% of uh, people in Scotland believe that cafes and restaurants should display uh, calorie information on, on menus and, and items for sale. So there is, I think, strong public support. But, but... Um, as we all know, uh, when we survey people about whether they're concerned about diet and obesity, we get quite a high level of response. That the closer we get to positive actions, um, things slide off a little bit. So there you go. There's what uh, uh, Ross Finney has to say, Chairman of Food Standards Scotland. Uh, Philip uh, was our... Oh, he's gone. Right, OK, he was there a second ago. Uh, he was going to come back on that, but um, thanks, Philip, for your call. Ian... Good morning to you. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you yourself? Good, 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 good. Right. So but, what's your thoughts on this? First of all, my thoughts go to the lady earlier on with the incident at the woods. I think she was so brave coming on, Ali, and my thoughts and wishes go out to her. Thank you. Thank you. It took a, it took a lot uh, for her to come on and talk about it, I know, and and uh, you're absolutely right. Her thoughts are with her. But then the thing about um, obstacle weavers, yeah, maybe 18 is good. But the thing about the food alley, like you, you go to a restaurant, you want value for money, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go to these burger joints, not mention any names, but you can go large for 50 pence. You know, that's just encouraging people maybe to eat fast food quick. But, you know, portion sizes need to be made value for money, Ali. Do you not agree? Well, there are a lot of restaurants. I mean, I, I, I realise, you know, that Ross Finney's talking about just what you're saying there, the burger joints, the pizza joints, those that are offering to zap it larger, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe just asking them to cut out the, the larger situation, but they're not going to do it. Um, off the, I mean, they ask you, what, why do they ask you if you want to make it larger? Because they want to make more money. That's that's what it comes down to. That's the crunch, um, you know. Yeah, but in a lot of restaurants you go to, there are there is a healthy choices menu, and yes. you can choose something healthy if that's what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I was in like a steak when I was in. I expected to be a good steak. 
I was a bit sort of fourteen ounce steak on the plate. I don't like a little nine ounce piece of meat flapping around the plate. I like it to be decent quality. I like it to be cooked to perfection, and I like quality for my money. So you don't mind spending money if you're getting quality. That's correct. Yeah, and I don't know how you feel about that, Ali. Well, I'm the same. I, you know, I, that's why I mentioned it earlier. If you go to a restaurant and you come away feeling hungry, you know, there are some restaurants and some chefs who believe that's the way you should be fed. And now, I, I personally don't agree with it. I'll go once and I won't go back. Um, the designer chefs are, you know, that's fine. Good on you, boys. A little bit of turnip, you know, a little bit of potato there, a bit of something else on your plate, and a bit of meat and gravy. They call it you to make this up a bit. You know, that's not a meal I like. I know, the jus. It's gravy, for goodness sake. <laughs> jus. goodness <laughs> sake. It's word or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, tell me, are you overweight? I'm slightly overweight, Ali. I'm just sitting at about 15 stone, but I suffer from chronic back pain. So Stop making excuses. Are you overweight? Slightly, yeah. Yeah. So, you like your food? Very much so. So how do you feel about Ross Finney telling you you should be cutting your portions down? I think it should be each to their own, Ali. If you want to eat larger portions, you eat larger portions. If you don't want to eat it, do it by your own bill. Sounds good to me. Thank you very much indeed, Ian. So we're talking healthy food, and should the government be telling us what we can and what we can't eat? Um, it would seem that the advice that comes out all the time we're not paying attention to, the obesity problem in Scotland is has been described as an a, 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 as an epidemic. I'm just looking here at a recent survey of chip shops in Glasgow. It showed the average portion of chips contains close to a thousand calories. Some people only have that in a day. You know, that's half an average woman's daily t- intake. A thousand calories and a portion of chips. Got one in here from Sam who's on Fife. He says, this interference from the government is not the right way to tackle the issue of portion control. For myself, it doesn't work. I now tend to eat more after dissatisfaction between things tasting worse and size. So what happens? We overdo the original amounts of food from treats, etc. He says, I do try to cook from fresh, but totally struggling to meet my electricity bills. They're ridiculous. Cooking and baking at home is fine, but finance is not. The utility bills are soaring ever so. So I, I see what he's saying. He says, a quick fix can be a takeaway. So it's, it's, it's a difficult one. I understand what you're saying. Uh, and then there's one in from Barry. Barry says, you know, I walk past at lunchtime an area where there is a secondary school with a few hundred pupils in it. On the streets, it's covered by bakers, it's covered by sandwich shops. The fish and chip shop opens at lunchtime as well, doling out portions of chips. But the one that caught my eye was the shop that was busiest was an Indian takeaway. It has now started opening at lunchtime for school pupils. For goodness sake, do they really need an Indian takeaway? Well, I don't know what what they're serving. Do you, Barry? It could be cheaper chips than a chip shop. Who knows? But is that what, you know, most schools and authorities are offering healthy choices. So obviously those pupils who are going to the bakers, etc., etc., have taken the choice that they don't want the healthy choices. What is your thought? Is it right that the government should be saying to restaurants, to cafes, um, and they're saying, cut down, please, cafes, takeaways and restaurants. They're urging them to clo- to cut back on portion sizes. Is that really what the government should be doing? Telling private businesses what to do. Here's another one that comes in from Kath. She says, it can be difficult finding an eating place that serves healthy options. When you're out and about, it would be beneficial to have the calories and nutritional content available so people can make informed choices. However, many restaurants and takeaways uh, by meal portion size has become larger and more like American-sized portions than what we were received in the UK about 20, 30 years ago. However, our obesity crisis is not caused by the occasional meal out. I suppose that's very true. It's very true. But portion sizes, it seems to have been, you're right there, they've grown and grown. 
So how do they get it back? How do they pull it back without chasing the customers away? If you've got a comment, 033-2020-401. You can text 61054, start your message with Ali. Email ali at thegreatersthits.co.uk and we're on Twitter as well. And that's hashtag Scotland's Talking. John, right, we got you back this time. <laughs> Good morning, Ali. How are you this morning? Okay. I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm just thinking, governments today, they're sitting in their in that office. They're telling us what to eat. You're drinking too much, so we'll put the prices up. You're smoking too much, so we'll put the prices up. And they were talking about a small... You can take a small portion as well, Ali. But I mean, what are they trying to tell us? That we don't know what we're doing. Governments, they don't know what they're doing, but they're telling us they shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. They've got a life of their own, you know. They should be trying to help us, you know. And this this I mean, is I, them sitting with a, a big person, you know, a big restaurant and everything for them to use. I know I, some people I can't mean, eat. I know. But I mean, Ali, you, you can't just tell people what to do. They'll do what they want to do, when they want to do. It's their life, not their life. If that's all they can talk about, why are they sitting there getting all that money for running a country they can't run, you know? It's getting ridiculous. I mean, they put the price of drink up, and who's going to pay for it? You and I. We don't get the money to do that, but somebody else will get the money. If you want to go for a restaurant, I can get a half a portion. But if the guy gives you a big portion and charges the same price, who's getting the money? I mean, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. I mean, smoking, we don't know the, what's going to happen to you, but let us control their lives, you know. The government want to control their lives as well, you know. Get out of the hand, I. OK, John, thank you. Interesting, I noticed this week as well. It's really the first time I'd, I'd noticed it in big, bold writing where a supermarket was doing drink prices, uh, bottles of gin at so much a price. You know, it was Christmas. It was a Christmas ad. And so they were carrying out these prices. They were doing these prices for certain drinks. And along the bottom it said, not applicable in Scotland. Why should I be penalised? Why should I have to buy ex- or pay extra for a drink? Because I live in Scotland. Because the Scottish government changed the rules. Don't agree with that. How about you? Here's one in from uh, on the Twitter, and it's uh, from Motley. Hello. Uh, it's a choice as to where you go to eat, and it's our choice. What and where to eat. We pay for a portion and we should expect a good portion. Thank you for that. And just in case you joined us uh, recently, earlier on in the programme, I was uh, I had Linda MacDonald, and Linda uh, was lucky to survive when she was attacked uh, in a woods by a man serving a life sentence for murder. She came in, she told us her story, um, and, and it was fairly horrific. She went as far as she, she felt that she could, but she's now campaigning because she's not getting answers. Why was this murderer allowed out on the streets with no supervision? That's what she's asking. No home leave for killers. And, and you know, they're talking about, says yes, there are certain killers. They come under uh, the, the critical few, those that need to be watched. But this beast, as she was calling him, committed murder previously. He was then in an open prison, Castle Huntley, and he was released on a week's leave. And during that week's leave, he attacked her, very, very violently attacked her. And she's still suffering to this day. He's back in prison. But her point is this. Should he have been out on home leave in the first place? No supervision, nobody watching him, not on a tag, nothing. Just out the door, Castle Huntley, come back in a week's time. We won't bother checking up on you. She thinks it's wrong. What do you think? Here's one in uh, on Twitter. Far too many reoffend, and that applies to those out on bail as well. Tagging does not work. It simply lets the authorities know after the event. It's not good enough. I hear what you're saying. Do the Justice Department in Scotland hear what you're saying and what Linda is saying as well? Your thoughts on what's Linda's story there, if you'd like to comment on it, um, 033-2020-401, text 61054, start your message with Ali, or indeed there's the email or um, hashtag Scotland's talking. If you were looking for help, if you're feeling depressed, all right, just think of this scenario. 
This is a new subject. Just want to get your thoughts on this. If you're looking for help for depression, would you want to see a doctor or your local pharmacist? We know how much pressure there is on our GP services. Sometimes you can wait days. That's a good one. Sometimes you've got to wait weeks to get an appointment. So there's a pilot scheme running in Invergordon in the Highlands for chemists to be able to prescribe medication to patients who have clear signs of depression. Now, do you think that's a step forward or is it the NHS trying to give us health care on the cheap? So you can walk into your chemist, I'm feeling depressed, sit down, chat to the pharmacist about it and the pharmacist would write up a prescription and give you some help. I see that as a good point, but I've been astonished by the people that I've been reading about and when I've mentioned it in conversation this week, oh, that, that's, that's a step back. Why is it a step back? Surely when doctors are, are under so much pressure, we cannot get GPs in Scotland. We're struggling. Many practices have had to close because of the lack of GPs. Pharmacists, on the other hand, could be giving advice. Surely it's better if someone is feeling depressed if they know they can go to a local pharmacist rather than not being able to be seen by a mental health nurse for a couple of weeks or a GP for a week, they're feeling depressed now. So surely that's a step forward. But people I've been talking to this week, I'm in a minority. What do you think? O Treble 3 2020 401. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Stella, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. Good morning. Right, so what do you got to say, Stella? Uh, I would like to talk about the, the pharmacy, using the pharmacy. Okay. Because um, I use my pharmacy a lot. Um, it's, it's, sometimes it's first point and call because I can't get an appointment. But I could imagine if somebody is depressed and they get up that morning and they can't get their doctor... I mean, that's the first point of call, going to the chemist. If somebody sits and talks with you, it, it helps you to feel, well, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're no lost. Somebody's there. But, um, I find the chemist to be excellent because certainly things that are wrong, and you feel it, and I go to the chemist, and I'll phone them up, or I'll go to them, and they're so welcoming, and he gives the time for you, the whole of the staff, and he'll tell you, you must go to the doctor with that, or right. you could have this, you know, and you could come away without having to go to the doctor. Uh, my, my, my chemist is Andrew in St Giles, and, you know, see, it's for drugs. They know everything about drugs. I think they know more about drugs than some of the doctors do, because they're just getting them and giving out prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Whereas I get a prescription for something, and I look at it, and it says, you shouldn't be taking that. So I go back to Andrew, and Andrew will explain because he knows the yeah. drugs. He knows the other things he, you're on, but he I, knows. Yeah, I think that he, one of the points you made there, Stella, was a, was a good one. That if someone wakens up who is yep. suffers from depression, wakens up that morning feeling really low, and they know that they need some help, and they phone a doctor. And they get told oh, it'll be a week or whatever. We know these things happen. Or, mm-hmm. you know, call back tomorrow, 8 o'clock. And then you go on for days like that, trying to get through yeah. 8 o'clock in the morning. It's a ridiculous system. Absolutely appalling. Mm-hmm. However, um, the alternative to that person who's feeling depressed doesn't bear thinking about, really, because they may be depressed in such a way that they think, well, I can't get any help. That's so right. they, they, they then even think about taking their own life. They could become suicidal. Exactly. So if, if there's, if there's mm-hmm. an option there of a pharmacist, um, surely that has to be a good thing. I just can't see why anybody would think this would be a bad idea. Maybe they think it's a bad idea because they think, well, it's cost-cutting and everything's the, the health services in such a mess and why put it on to the, the pharmacist? But they're well-trained. Mm-hmm. These people are, are so knowledgeable. And I was desperate in the morning. I've been, I've been there but years ago when there was lots of help. There was lots of psychiatrists, psychologists. You got a doctor's appointment, you saw someone. It's not like that now. People are out there and they're struggling. 
they're struggling to find somebody to talk to. And, and if that is there for them at that point, it could be the difference between living and dying. Indeed. Stella, thank you very much indeed. You talk sense. Thank you. Uh, Babs, good morning. Good morning. Morning, Babs. We've had a few different subjects today, so which one do you want to touch on? I would like to talk about the school leaving age. Okay. I think it should remain where it is, but if they're worried about the unemployment rate, which was mentioned, why don't they lower the pension when you can come pensionable age again? You mean instead of increasing it? Yes, it's getting just too high. I know. I I think for particularly women who... I've now got to wait to some women who just missed it and have to wait till they're 67. It's just... It's, that's me. That's you, I was born. I was born in the 50s. And Nothing wrong with were, that, Babs. Nothing wrong with that, dear, I'll tell you. It was, it was a really good decade. It was, yes. I, I think that... Uh, I mean, I was looking to retire at 60, which I reckoned was a bit young. Then it was 65. Now it's 67. Where is it going to end? Mm. And then, but to me, this is to get people off unemployment. Well, that's so one of the if, things that's cropped up. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they did lower the uh, retirement age or pensionable age, more of the youngsters, I feel, would get into work. So starting at the other end, bring it down a little bit, but, you know... Um, there are those who will not want to retire that early. Well, do you know that's fair enough? They just that think... is their choice. Yes, but I feel that some of the children they have no intention to stay on to school. Some of them don't want to stay on till they're sixteen. No, no. How can you enforce them staying on till eighteen? If they want to stay on, fine, good on them. That's super. Those that want to but will I'll, stay on anyway because they'll be they'll exactly. be push, pushing themselves forward to other to do courses or to get ready to go to university or whatever, won't yeah, they? Or, or even into college. Yes, that and that is all good. But if it comes to the pushing up to eighteen to bring down the unemployment rate, why not bring down the pension? That way, the kids can get work as well. Or if I, uh, am I simplifying things? No, no, I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. But, you know, it would get some people into jobs. You're absolutely correct, in a younger age. Okay, Babs, thank you for that. I just want to um, uh, look at some of the other uh, comments that are coming in on social media. Um, There's one here that's a very long one, so I, I shall try and work my way through it. Morning, Ali. The Scottish government may want to make us healthier nation, but the way they are going about it is wrong. What is needed is more education. Leave people to make their own choice. The government are our elected representatives. They are not our parents. I have been in a restaurant and hotel industry for most of my working life and worry about the impact of this latest daft idea. If restaurants are required to reduce portion sizes and advertise the calorie content of dishes, which is also being suggested and reduce the fat and sugar content, then take customers, well, customers will be left feeling hungry. It will not take long before people stop using restaurants in favour of buying as much as they want in a supermarket and eating it at home. Much as is happening with the pub trade at the moment. Give that more food is eat- Given that more food is eaten in the home than out of it, would it not make more sense to introduce tougher legislation to cover the manufacturers of prepared meals? Over the last few years, we have seen warnings on cigarette packets. The Scottish government are considering health warnings on alcohol packaging. And now food may also be affected. Ross Finney just mentioned that a customer who picks a muffin in a cafe might not know how much sugar or fat is in it. Do we need to know? Alan, that was exactly what I thought when I heard them saying that. You can pick up a muffin, Ross Finney said, you can pick up a muffin in a cafe and you might not know how much sugar it is. Do you need to know? No. You pick up a muffin in a cafe because you want to enjoy it. Thank you, Alan. Uh, Janice says, um, what useless think tank thought that one up? Oh, we're on the school leaving age here. Uh, Thanks, Janice. What about all the hard-pressed families who need extra income? 
to boost the household budget and can't afford to finance their kids for another two years. Government interference is now bordering on total control of the masses. Another thing. Bet the portion sizes won't reduce in Holyrood. Janice, thank you for that. And uh, I think I think that winds most of the comments up today. Uh, You'd be getting ratty about certainly a few more. Uh, yes, a few more just comments in there about um, the the whole food thing. Food thing is the one that's got to set off today. Uh, here's another one that's just come in on the text. I certainly do not agree that pharmacists should be allowed to diagnose and treat depression as they do not have access to people's medical notes and health backgrounds. It's a good point. Pharmacists have not had the same training as a doctor, nor do they need do they have the same privacy in a pharmacy. If they have a separate booth, you can often hear what is said if you're standing waiting outside. We need to train more doctors and mental health professionals, not send people to a pharmacy. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. For that comment. So certainly varied subjects today, which have uh, been getting quite a few comments. Pharmacies we were talking about there. Uh, the school leaving age being in, talked about by the IPPR think tank in Scotland. School leaving age uh, should be up to 18. Um, that was another one which has got quite a few comments as well. And no doubt we'll continue talking throughout the day. And my thanks to, to Linda and her husband, Matt, for coming in and telling us her story. Uh, lucky to survive when she was attacked by a man serving a life sentence for murder, and she's now asking for more stringent checks to be made when someone, particularly who has killed, who has murdered someone, particularly violently, is let out of prison for a week. This has been Scotland Talking. <laughs>